Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Doggone Good Information and welcome my co-host, Tommy Fahey. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Heidi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I see you wearing a sweater. You're, uh, I know you had a cold, cold spell there in Missouri. Winter weather has arrived here oh. in Southwest Missouri. Not in Florida. We're Sorry. sitting here in the air conditioning still. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm doubtful that even by the time this podcast airs, that we will have much cooler weather. But we can. I'm hope. sure not. But <laughs> I'm yeah, the minority, though. People come to Florida for this weather, so I realize, right. you know, I'd rather have the sweater on, but. Anyhow, <laughs> here I am in the sunshine state and, and over, generally enjoying it. Um, Tommy, I want to start out with a bit of a retraction, I guess, maybe would be the way to say it. On our um, last episode, we um, in the banter at the beginning, we talked about uh, someone you knew that had gone out to a farm and um, seen the calf laying under the fence and tried to knock on the yeah. door. So I've heard some from some folks about this and I have, I have thought about it. I thought about it when we were talking about it, that if the dogs are on your own property and they're protecting your property, that's, that's exactly what you want them to do. And that's why people have them. So, sure. um, and maybe my stance on it, you know, that your dog should still behave in that, but I also remember my mother had a big Great Dane, and uh, it was the sweetest dog in the world, big Harlequin, taller than our miniature horses. And the UPS or the FedEx guy in those days would come in and uh, honk his horn and not get out of his car, his, his truck. But so, you know, people do have dogs just for that reason. They want the protection and they want those dogs. Yeah, You hope that they won't actually bite or get into you, but... I just wanted to say that I understand that aspect of it and have lived out in the country and uh, where dogs, you know, you have dogs so that they will be uh, watchdogs and guard dogs. So I, I would say that maybe if it had been me, and I've thought about this a bit, uh, I would have honked my horn and not gotten out of the car, knowing myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten out in somebody's property or I would have pushed a little stinker back under the fence <laughs> and been <laughs> sure. on my way, the little calf. All right, get back yeah. under there. A uh, little nudge. Yeah. Hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Probably get in trouble for that too. But anyhow, I just wanted to say that, that, you know, it, it, I would probably have sat in my car and honked my horn, but I do yeah. feel bad because it's terrifying to get bit, especially when there are a few dogs around. So. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. There's two sides to every coin with that. Yeah. 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 So. And you and I both are around a lot of folks who live in both scenarios in town and then out on their own property and they're choosing to live remotely and want their watchdogs. So we get that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So boy, there is a firestorm of a story here right in my backyard um, it's, it's funny, I was following it and didn't even really realize how close it is in proximity to me. So the SPCA Tampa Bay, which is actually based in, there's a, I think few locations, but Largo, Florida, which is the next town over from me, um, decided to, to, I think after much discussion, create, enter into a partnership with a pet store and also a, uh, breeder. Out of Missouri, mm -hmm. ironically, who's um, who creating some initiatives so that they could provide more of a comfort level 
about the animals that they provide to the pet stores, right? Because the ban, the pet store ban, adopt, don't shop, and banning pet stores is all about, we don't know where these animals come from, which is really not true. The shelter animals are the ones we really don't know where they come from. However, so the SPCA Tampa Bay and a gal named Martha Bowden, who I believe is their uh, CEO, announced a For All Dogs pilot program. And it's an unusual partnership between uh, Sunshine Puppies, which is, has re- retail shops, and a Missouri-based breeder, Pinnacle Pet. And uh, they're providing the veterinary care for the puppies in the stores. The SPCA is going into the stores and checking the health of the puppies. So they're being very proactive. Well, this is, uh, so add to this, um, I was actually visiting you. I was traveling and got to, got to spend a day with you over in Missouri. I come back from my trip and my husband, who always says he's not encouraging me to do podcasts, left me an article <laughs> <laughs> ironically about this story, which I'd already read a little bit about, but wasn't, you know, just kind of keeping it on my radar. So our local paper called The Beacon has a guest columnist with, who is one of our commissioner, uh, Pinellas County commissioners, Pinellas County, Florida, saying that the article is why this commissioner believes pet stores can humanely sell puppies. So St. Petersburg has a pet store ban, but Pinellas County did not go down that road. They lo- they've looked at it, and I keep expecting it to happen, but it has not happened yet. They've grandfathered in um, several. We've got uh, five stores, I think, in the county. And then um, Manatee County, which is just over the bridge, the Skyway Bridge on the other side of the, the Gulf, the, the uh, Bay, rescinded theirs, turned theirs over. Turn oh, their really? ban over. I I I I've lost track of wanting to get that those the one gal on my on the podcast to talk about that. After reviewing it and looking at it, they turned it over, which is really unusual. Okay, so there's not a ban here in the county, and the commissioner looked at this and said makes a lot of points about uh, even a program called um, Canine Care Certification, which is a set of science-based standards that breeders have to follow voluntarily. And then uh-huh. the pet stores can utilize those breeders feeling good about the animals they're getting, right? So we're, we're really, really drilling down on this um, because there's such a belief that breeders are the, the sole problem in all of this and pet stores. When again, in fact, we have no idea where our shelter dogs are coming from and we don't have any kind of standards like this on that front. So now the SPCA, uh, Martha, partners with these folks. This was uh, early October, like October 11th, I think this is dated. October 27th, which is just a few days ago, this is 2023, they have walked back their statement. They're reconsidering the partnership. Well, because there's also a petition out there that needs seven, looking for 7,000 signatures, has 6,500, and it's going to cost her her job and rescind mm-hmm. the partnership. So this lady, she looks like a mature lady. Um, and again, I look forward to talking to her, but I'm guessing she's got a good amount of time in this field, in this world. And uh, now her job is at stake. 
And it's, it's absolute outright bullying. I mean, it's so unacceptable. The humane societies and the other groups around here are just out for blood. And this is, there's a lot of working parts to this. Okay, sit down and discuss the working parts, the pieces, the, 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 the different aspects of this partnership, and maybe pick apart something you don't like. But just because she's gone down this road, they're just out for blood. So I don't I know you've looked into it a little bit. It's just, it's so yeah, disheartening. It's a really odd um, thing to wrap your head around, I feel like. Um, on the one hand, you've got all these people who are interested in uh, helping animals and, and making sure that animals, uh, you know, get to their best care. And, and that appears to, on the surface to be what she's doing. Right. Um, but then these same people are saying, but sh- but we don't like the way she's doing it. We don't, yeah. we don't like, you know, how she's doing it. So rather than th- this is a common thing uh, I, I say all the time, rather than presenting problems present a solution. Yeah. Imagine so there's that. all these people out there yelling and screaming and saying, Oh, this is bad. This is terrible. And, and we see it across the board in, in all parts of our society, not just about this particular situation. But if you don't have a constructive um, solution to this dilemma, why are you voicing your opinion? She's not trying to harm any dog. She's not trying to put anyone in harm's way. She's actually trying to create a system that would help more animals. Yeah. Um, So I I just really don't understand these people that are against her um, or, or making it out that she is this bad person or or doing bad to animals when it's completely the opposite. One of the, one of the uh, aspects tenants of this program is that they have this this voluntary certification for the breeders, but mm-hmm. also then that the breeding uh, the breeding stock, the males and females get retired anywhere between four and seven years, probably depending on the breed. Obviously, the bigger breeds sure. are going to be you know shorter lifespan, and then they, uh, they the SPCA will assist in getting those dogs adopted out. I did a sure. story about this with medical research animals. Uh, homes for animal heroes about the beagles getting adopted yeah. out. They're using them for shorter term in research so they could get them adopted out. So again, a dilemma, they're not going to stop using them because we need medical research and it's one exactly. of the most viable options, but they've agreed to, uh, to let the dogs be done with their, their duty, their research sooner and get adopted out. Same thing here. So I'm going to call these people out. It, there's a quote here. There's a, this is a slap in the face of everyone who's done any kind of Florida rescue, says animal advocate Susan Sudra, you know. And by offering, to, by offering to take in whether it's adult dogs or imperfect puppies or whatever, you're still affiliating yourself with these groups, and it reads as an endorsement. And that's Laura Lyons saying that these groups, meaning the breeders and the pet stores, they're just vilifying them and... As we already know, the starting point is there's no good breeder. Everybody who breeds dogs is a puppy mill and there's no good pet store. But yet, yeah. here's an interesting scenario. The um, half of, uh, I, I'm trying to think of my source here, but more than half of pets, more than half of people looking for dogs 
are looking at pet stores and breeders because they want something specific. They want a specific breed, a specific temperament. They want the knowledge of raising it as a puppy and not having, mm-hmm. knowing its backstory. They want the assistance of the breeders helping them, that type of thing. More than half of the people. Yet when you read the statistics out there about shelters and stuff and the adopt, don't shop and shame on all the actors and celebrities who get out there and do that. Cause again, there's so much more to this story. They're making it look like, you know, it's only about the rescues and the shelters. And in fact, it's not what people are looking for more than half the people, but they're not the voice that's, they're not the one that's coming out there. So I'm just, I just want to shame these people. It's just, it's making me so upset. And um, I'm hoping I've reached out to Pinnacle Pet. I've reached out to Sunshine Puppies, reached out to Marta, Martha Bowden of the SPCA Tampa Bay. And I've reached out to my commissioner, Kathleen Peters, trying to get any of them on the podcast or to make a statement or that type of thing, because I want their voices to be heard. I'm not going to take yeah. this line down. Not in my backyard. <laughs> So I don't know yeah. if you have anything else to add, but it's just, it's really, it's really disappointing. Yeah. I, the statement you read off there, um, a slap in the face to anybody who's been a part of rescue. I, again, I go back to define rescue. Yeah. Are you getting these dogs out of a ditch, flooded ditch or a burning building? No. <laughs> Calm down about the rescue. Right. Uh, no, I'm not saying that they don't exist, that there are some bad situations that they're getting them out of. And, and yes, that does happen. But like you said, we have a demand as far as supply and demand and the economics of this go. We have a demand for purebred dogs. Yes. Rather than trying to change that demand, how about we set up an effective system that has checks and balances and has regulation and has oversight that we can meet the demand. Well, interestingly, Tommy, the shelters and rescues have set up such a system. They get puppies from other countries. There we go. Yeah. And I'm not calling out every shelter and rescue, but there are over a million dogs, puppies and adoptable dogs being brought into this country And again, if you've listened to the podcast, the CDC actually banned imports from 113 countries, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. And they banned them because of falsified rabies and diseases that aren't in check that we don't have a problem with in this country, strains of parvo and distemper. So there is so much more. None of them are talking about that. That's why I'm incensed about this because you want to have a real conversation. Let's get a round table going. Let's get our WFLA news who reporting on this. Let's get a round table with all the parties in here. Let's throw some facts and statistics out there. What about the million dogs coming over that are primarily for shelters and rescues? And the fact that our shelters and rescues are fairly full of bully breeds and crosses, not the fault of the animals at all. But those are not what everybody's looking for to bring into their home, nor should they be. You have to be in the right scenario to take on those dogs. Correct. Yeah. So I'm on my soapbox, but I'm very, <laughs> very frustrated by this. So, Tommy, I'm just, um, I'm just incensed about this. I'm just so upset 
And uh, here's another quote um, that pet stores that sell purebred puppies, that's the problem because of how they're bred and bred, says Humane Society of Tampa Bay CEO Sherry Silk. Show me a shelter in our area that has purebred puppies or cute little puppies or adoptable dogs. Um, it's just not the case. And people are looking for those kind of animals. So yeah, you so, just made a good point. Yeah. Why not put a little investment towards helping breeders do a better job or help there become some kind of a system with oversight where, uh, you know, we're able to produce these dogs in a better uh, way that that's not, um, you know, overbred animals or kept in uh, cages that are unsanitary and, and poor conditions. Well, first What's let's, let's highlight, let's check into the fact that is that true or is that just something they throw out? So yeah. Is that every breeder? Yeah. I don't think it is. No. And how about we put some oversight on shelters and rescues? How about they have to let us know if they got the dogs from Puerto Rico or if they got the dogs from the Valley border towns of Texas or, you know, where are the dogs coming yeah. from? They, they would the oversight on that. There is none and they don't want there to be. It's, it's a discussion I've been in with people who are very knowledgeable in this area and the shelters do not want to keep statistics on where their dogs come from. It's not in their best interest. So isn't, doesn't that work both ways? I mean, we do know where the dogs at the pet stores are coming from, right? And yes, if there is a pro are we looking to solve a problem that's not there because of an isolated incident that makes the big news, you know, or is there really a problem? And if so, it seems to me that Martha Bowden and the SPCA of Tampa Bay were looking to at least become part of a solution or at least engage in some conversation with the supposed enemy. Right. Uh, why isn't this on Megyn Kelly and bigger podcasts? I mean, <laughs> these stories don't show up on the prime, you know, Joe Rogan, those podcasts. And it's, I feel like they don't want to get into it because it, it's like, well, then they'd have to come out and say that, you know, yep, there's more to the story. It's not just yeah. all about rescue and adopt dogs, you know? So anyhow, the dilemma it is, it's an absolute dilemma. And that means that they're not necessarily an easy answer, but, you know, just, just getting on your high horse and making a statement to the news about how horrible all these people are. You know, I, we could just try it out just as much ammunition about shelters and rescues that do unsavory things. So it's, it's just ridiculous. And you know what? They get away with it because it's emotional, because there's philosophy and ideology behind this. And it's all been crafted and uh, it's a narrative from the animal rights groups, Humane Society mm -hmm. of the United States, who don't run the shelters, by the way. That's not the Humane Society that are running the shelters. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, and many others, the ones you see on TV getting your money. And if you listen to my podcast, Animal Tales, you know that they have offshore accounts of multi-million dollars. So is that really the best place for your money to go? All right. Good question. Rant over. <laughs> Step off the soapbox. I'm stepping. It's good. I'm going to fall off the soapbox. <laughs> I'm way up on that soapbox. <laughs> I need a stepladder. Uh, All right. All right. We're going to pivot into another topic here, Tom, Tommy. And this was something you and I talk about 
often off the air, and we were even talking about the other day, and um, I believe there was a particular situation that sparked our conversation, but um, keeping dogs alive, the quality of life, how long do you go, what kind of expense that, maybe you can articulate it a little better. Yeah, um, I don't know exactly how we got into this conversation the other day uh, off the air, but it's sort of the dilemma of how much are we investing in keeping these animals alive um, when it comes to either geriatric care, um, comes to maybe uh, cancer, maybe comes to, uh, you know, uh, major injuries, things like that. Uh, what are we investing in, in that? And then where do we draw the line? Right. Um, so I think I'm coming to it from having worked in a vet clinic, having been a trainer now for several years, watching people, how they, uh, spend money on their pets, what they spend money on. Um, and having watched some situations where I'm going, why are we continuing to invest in this? This is long-term, not in the best interest of that individual, to what end are we doing this? Um, so I'll put the caveat in here so we don't have to make a retraction later. If you're investing a lot of money into your pet's geriatric care, good for you. If right. you have the money and you want to do it and you make that decision, that is fine. I'm more interested in the conversation of the guilt that people feel when they cannot afford the care that's maybe expected or available. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, I think that feel like they have to, uh, put in money to save the animal or to, uh, you know, fix the illness or fix the injury when maybe that's not going to go anywhere in the end. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the bigger issue to me. Right. You're, you're, I think you, I, I like what you said, um, as well about, um, kind of a disclaimer because, you and I both are absolutely believe you should take care of your older pets. Your, if for us, it's horses oh, and dogs or our wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, so we're not suggesting that once they're past their useful life, you're putting the, you know, just putting them down or getting rid of them. There's a huge um, thing in the horse world that supposedly people get rid of their old horses and send them off to... Um, the slaughter or whatever, quietly send them off. So no, absolutely not. Um, or your, your geriatric dog in my, in my world growing up as a third generation trainer and all the animals we had, it was always their quality of life. It was always about the animal. And you hear me say that my dad always said the animals come first, right? What we have to do absolutely. what's in the best interest of the animal and many people get very emotional about their animals and they have a hard time making the decision. So I try to keep my emotion out of it until I've made the decision and I've checked it with people I trust. And then I allow myself the emotion because I need to hang in there and be practical for the animal, right? Um, so the, the challenge is my dad always, and my grandfather, it was about do they eat and drink? Can they move around? Can mm -hmm. they go to the bathroom? You know, and are they are they in any kind of pain that some basic meds can't take care of? Those were the thresholds. Right. And then as you get older, that those, you know, you quantify those even more. But those are the things we're looking at, right? 
So, and now we're in a world where people are going, doing GoFundMes for thousands of dollars um, for their pets. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I know some pets that came out of it and lived many more years with either a missing limb or something, and it cost thousands of dollars. I don't know that I would have made the same decision, but I, I understand the hard part is, and you said it, you've said it on the podcast before, you see people who really have no means trying to go down that road. And then they're guilted on top of it. That's, I think, the problem, one of the problems we're having with it. Yeah. The, the guilt and emotion uh, that's put on it uh, is, is really the concern for me. Um, so one story that sticks out in my head uh, from when I was working for the vet clinic, um, happened to be a friend of mine that brought her cat in. And this was a, a not geriatric cat, but an older middle-aged uh, house cat. Had developed a growth on its stomach. Um, we tracked it for a while. It was growing. Uh, took a sample of it, found out it was cancerous. Um, so when it comes to that point, you've got some options. Um, you know, you can remove the mass, hope that you get all of it and hopefully it goes away. You can go on full on to, uh, go on to a referral center and do chemotherapy, just like we do it in human medicine, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so my friend that was the owner of this cat said, you know, we'll do a simple surgery, remove the mass, get as much of it as you can, and we'll call it good. So that's what we did. Six months later, the mass comes back. Oh. And she said, okay, well, you know, we did the, the least invasive amount of care. I'm not going to take this cat on to a referral center. I'm not going to do any more than this. Uh, you know, we're going to let him live out as long as he can until it becomes a problem. And then we'll euthanize him. And I remember there was a, a coworker that I had that was very emotional um, very tied up into these things. And she just could not understand why the owner of the animal wasn't going to invest, you know, more in curing this, this animal. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? I wouldn't, I maybe wouldn't have even done the surgery. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a very pragmatic, practical kind of person. Yeah. Um, so it was the emotion really that, that bothered me the most that she was thinking about it in that way. And then I, I spoke to the owner of the cat later and, and we discussed this and she said, well, here's where I'm coming from. I spent, you know, let's say a thousand dollars on removing that mass from the cat. He got another six months to a year of life from it. All that was great. I'm not going to invest another thousand dollars what I'm going to do is I'm going to help that cat pass humanely. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to euthanize it. And then she turned around and went to an animal shelter and picked up two new cats to come home to her house and, and live in her house. Okay. Good. She wouldn't have had financially been able to do that had she spent thousands upon thousands of dollars on trying to cure this one animal. Um, yeah, and I think there's a lot that is tied into that um, fear of death, fear of loss, fear of, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes into that. I think there's a lot of disnification 
of what we expect out of, yeah. you know, the end of life for our animals, you know, the, the emotion that's kind of tied up into that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, so there's, there's a lot going on there and there's a lot to dissect, but it's the, the sort of social guilt that has developed terrible in making these pragmatic choices. Again, it's a bullying. It's an outright bullying, yeah. whether it's your, your animal is at the end of their life or, has a disease or an impairment or wound that you're not sure you're going to be able to overcome maybe financially and the care of the animal and or the, um, um, well, so on that, you know, you and I have talked about this. I've said this on the podcast before. I'm amazed at people who it's, I, I don't have any, any problem at all, of course, with being sad that our animals get old and they're getting ready to pass on. I, I am a bit surprised. I guess it was just so different when I was growing up and uh, I, I grew up in the Midwest. Um, but I, I feel like people get animals now and are surprised that they're going to die. I don't, I exactly. don't know how to articulate that, but... Like, you'll, I see it online all the time, like, you know, 12-year-old, 14-year-old animal, and it's like, oh, my God. I Like, they haven't prepared for this. When you yes. get that puppy, I can promise you, as all of us are going to meet our maker one day, right? But if they get their full ride out of it, it's 10, 12, 14 years. You know, you hear about the 17-year-old, that kind of thing. That's a great ride. But... I guess I always try to be prepared for that as they're getting older and having their challenges. And then the other thing I do, we've done in our family, and I believe in this, I'm, I think about when I get the animal, what kind of money I could invest if I encounter something that's going to be very expensive. Horses, yeah. we have colic surgery and different things like that, $9,000 for colic surgery and uh what what's the chance your horse is going to survive is it less than 50 it's got to uh, be pretty depends on who you okay ask. yeah <laughs> i mean in my world i i see like a 50 percent or less yeah you know? um it's, yeah i i think uh there's the sort of hollywood stories that are told about these miraculous yeah. you know things that we've cured this and we did this amazing surgery and this cutting edge. And I think of like shows like Grey's Anatomy or, um, Heartland. <laughs> yeah. They, they pull off this great yeah. moment of, of saving the animal. But, but the stories that aren't told are that animals pass. Yeah. Just like people pass. And that's normal and that's okay. And there's a, a huge reality that comes with that. Yeah. Um, and those stories aren't, aren't told and it's not discussed. And I think, you know, we need to discuss that. We need to know what that reality is and what that looks like and, and be a little more okay with it. Yeah. And not, you know, if you're, if someone's talking to you about this and they have animals, there should be, you should not be guilting them or making them feel bad if they don't want to spend four or $5,000 on that animal. I mean, there are people that times are rough right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, you we're talking about $4,000 on an animal that you paid 
you know, $50 for from the, the shelter or whatever, then it's not about, it's not solely about the money, but you do have to think about, I think these are all questions you have to ask yourself. And we all have to come to our own conclusion, I think, is where I'm going with this. And we, yes. there is too much guilting and bullying on that front. Um, I, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me, people I know and people I don't even know who've seen me online and said, um, I have to, you know, I'm at this crossroads. And I say, make the decision that's right for you. Just make sure you do right mm-hmm. by the animal. If if they are going to be put to sleep, it's a you know, it's a uh, humane euthanasia, all that kind of thing, you know. But do what's yeah. you know what's in the best interest. Get get all your information together. So, I I in I just feel really strongly about this. We've gotten way too. It's the same as the last story. We've gotten way too emotional, and there's too much bullying and guilting going on. You know, it also happens when we have to. Um, Uh, evacuate here online like someone will say i can't take my cat this cat that roams around the neighborhood and you know um i can't take my cat with me or you know we're having trouble and they might have little kids or something people just lose their minds you know it's crazy i i we always say get ahead of the game and know where your animals are going to go when you evacuate don't wait till the last minute but Absolutely. Just stop bullying. Stop being brave behind your keyboard and being unkind to people. There's a lot of of decisions that go into this. So, second soapbox done. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we have the podcast, right? That's why we have a podcast. So our our friends don't have to listen to us talk about this, (laughs) unless they choose to, in which case they get on Apple or Google or Spotify and... Because we're on all of those platforms and more. You can find us. Be sure to like, subscribe, (laughs) give us a thumbs up or a star, whatever it is. That's right. Or or (laughs) let us know you disagree, which I heard, you know, from the last Doggone Good podcast about the dogs on the private farm. So, all right, we're up to our pet peeve and trainer tip. I have the pet peeve. And, um... It's, it's really about what I've been talking about, which is being so bold and bullying and um, having such a strong opinion. And a lot of these are coming from people who are not experts, animal experts, have or have little, um, you know, a little bit of information about animals. So it goes back to the how I started my podcast. There's the happy face and the care heart, and there's the angry face and the tear. One or the other of those is quickly, very quickly applied to a story about animals without really any depth into the story or that. And this, this, both of our topics today fall into those. So I say, that's a pet peeve of mine. And I say it should be hmm, the thinking face, the, the hand under the chin. There's a little emoji that has a thinking face. Hmm. Be thoughtful, be curious want to know more, drill down a little bit. Wherever you hear one extreme, assume there's another side to the story. And somebody on my Animal Tales podcast said that recently. If it seems really extreme or really like horrific, um, there's a chance there's another side, especially these animal stories, there's another side to the story. Sometimes someone just is horrible to animals and they need to be prosecuted 
to the full extent of the law. But again, just just try to try to check in and find out like this story about the SPCA. You know, why is she why did she decide to go down this road? Did she just become a rogue SPCA lady or did she give this a lot of thought and with many years of experience come to a conclusion that this might be part of the answer? So be thoughtful, be curious, want to know more. Hmm. That's my pet peeve. Trainer tip, Tommy. Always ask why is my favorite. (laughs) Wait till you're a parent uh, someday. You won't feel as strongly. (laughs) But why? But why? But why, (laughs) mommy? (laughs) Because I said so. (laughs) There, there's always that. Okay. Trainer tip. So my my trainer tip for this week, uh, this past weekend, I had a very rare day off completely where I stayed home and got to just hang out with Jimmy Dean. Oh. Uh, I've got to work him into every episode, you know? Yep. Uh, So I got to spend the day with him and it made me kind of think about, I've I've mentioned in the past uh, that we're, we're always training our dogs, no matter what interaction we're having they learn our habits. They learn what we're doing. They, they, you know, become accustomed and we can play on that. Um, and so I was observing, uh, as I'm having my day off and I got to hang out on the couch and not do anything. Um, I was wanting to take a nap and Jimmy wanted to play with the ball. He wanted me to throw the ball for him. So what I realized is that I was on the couch. That's when I will play with him on a regular basis Uh. sitting on the playing on the phone or watching TV or whatever. That's I'll play with him while I'm sitting on the couch. But if I go to bed, if I go lay down in my bed, he knows game over, we're done. So be aware of those kinds of habits that you're, you're pre-training your dog's already trained in a lot of circumstances. Um, So I decided it was time for me to go take a nap. And I said, Oh, you know what? instead of getting mad at Jimmy Dean for jumping on me on the couch and wanting to play with the ball where he knows that that's what we normally do. I'm just going to get up and go into the bed. And immediately he got in the bed, laid down and went to sleep. So trainer tip is to be aware of what you've already trained your dogs to do just out of habit. Um, And then use that, you know, play on that because it's all about creating a relationship and communication with your animal um, you know, we live with them all the time. So they learn a lot more than we oftentimes give them credit for. Yeah, that's excellent. You've mentioned that before, what you're, you don't realize you're training like when you're leaving and he knows he goes and lays down and realizes you're leaving for the day. Those are great. And like you through this podcast, as, as you know, we're both professional animal trainers, I have really become much more thoughtful and I've always been very thoughtful because my dad always made us think what what this reaction is, what's happening with the animal, what's the animal thinking, get in their brain, yeah. which is where it's all at, not just the energy, but get in their brain. So this, I've really, I, I like you, I'm really enjoying that I'm, I've kicked that up to another level and I'm I'm curious and always thinking about it. And you even saying that made me think more. I went home the last time I looked at my dogs and thought, okay, what what kind of things are they doing that are just becoming part of the landscape, right? Yeah. Just our normal day-to-day. Yeah. 
So some good topics today and uh, good information. I, as we just said, we hope people are enjoying uh, taking it in anyhow. You know, it's um, somewhat entertainment and somewhat a desire to impart some information that we've learned along the way. And um, some of it is our expertise. So um, I hope you'll share this podcast. I hope you'll subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, our YouTube channel or on the podcast platforms. And we hope you'll join us next time as well for a lot more doggone good information. 